Uh, I was Joseph in the preschool play when I was four. Any other Josephs in the room? No, huh? Huh? All right, thank you. (laughs) Sweet. Uh, I wore a bathrobe. My mom put a a royal blue towel on my head, so I'm sure I looked Middle Eastern. And uh, and, uh, I had to walk down this aisle of this church where my preschool was, and I walked down the aisle with, with this little girl who played Mary, and she held a baby doll. And then we had to sit like in front of this manger on these two stools, um, and I didn't have any lines. I had no lines. It was just uh, it was just Mary who had all the lines. And so the the shepherds came, and she talked to them, and then the wise men, and she talked to them. And I had an upper respiratory infection. I was trying not to cough, um, but I was also really bored. And so, so at one point, I just said, "You know what? I think I want to try to like fall off this stool just to get myself some attention." And so I like deftly slid off the stool and I fell in such a great way and everybody laughed and I was like, finally, that's what it felt like. I was really like, um, because you know what, Joseph, just like what it feels like in this passage, Joseph is sort of, uh, you know, unquestioningly faithful and and dutifully obedient. He sort of plays this weak-willed role, right? It's a role with no lines. Um, This role where, where he just sort of sits by the side and maybe kicks and falls over a bale of hay. I don't know. <clears throat> and I think about the way Joseph was, and that was my faith. My faith in maybe like four to four to fifteen or four to sixteen years old or so. My faith was dutifully obedient and unquestionably faithful, just like Joseph. And so uh, I didn't know what that meant necessarily. Uh, I never liked going to church ever, uh, and it's, so it's ironic that I'm a pastor. Um, <laughs> But, so it wasn't about church, but it was more about this, this culture, right? I, tell people you love Jesus. So I did. You know, you tell people you love Jesus. And then, like, don't hit your sisters. Pray before you eat. Don't say bad <laughs> words. You know, come on. What, what are some other ones? Don't lie, right? And so every time I said, oh, God, I got punished. You know, that was a big deal. So don't say, oh, God. And, and do the right thing. When, when you're singing in Sunday school, just sing a little louder, all right? That's what I did. That's who I was. I was... Uh, unquestioningly faithful and dutifully obedient, just like Joseph was. Our Sunday school, we used to bring in jars of peanut butter for the less fortunate. Just peanut butter. (laughs) Nothing else. I don't know why, but that's what we did. But Marcus never brought in any peanut butter. And I was worried for Marcus. One time I asked my Sunday school teacher, I said, is Marcus going to be okay? He doesn't bring in peanut butter. He doesn't really sing. And I don't remember what she said, but it wasn't a convincing answer. And so I remember being worried about Marcus. And I remember laying in bed one night. I laid in bed. And I was trying to think about eternity. And I was laying in bed. I must have been eight, nine. And I remember, like, something finally hit me about eternity. And this shiver went down my spine. And I got really worried because I wasn't thinking about, like, eternity in heaven. I was thinking about, like, eternal torment, hell. And I was concerned that Marcus might go there. I was concerned that maybe I might go there too. Uh, And so I just was dutifully obedient, and I was unquestioningly faithful. I got a little older. I went to youth group, and uh, my youth group teacher, our pastor, talked to us about alligators. Now, why would a youth group pastor talk to you about alligators? Does anybody know? Because they didn't evolve Thus, Genesis is true, and the earth is 6,000 years old. (laughs) Take that, Darwin. (laughs) 
So I came home and I was all excited and I, I ran to my dad. I said, dad, alligators never evolved, which means Genesis is true. And my dad like gave me the smile, but the smile was like, oh, Jonathan, it's all going to come crashing down for you soon. <laughs> you just wait and see. You just wait. And little did I know my dad was going through his own process and it was all crashing down for him at the time. Maybe I should talk to her about that eventually at some point. But I wanted to be with my, 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 my youth group person, and I wanted to believe in Genesis and about alligators and all the rest because I was afraid. I was really afraid. What if I got it wrong? What if I read Scripture the wrong way? What if I disobeyed God in such a way where God said, you know what, eternity is torment, and shivers went down my spine, and I was afraid. What if I love the wrong people, and what if I love them too much, or what if I condone someone's actions? Will I... Will I Spend eternity somewhere else. And so I was dutifully obedient and unquestioningly faithful, just like Joseph is, right? Just like Joseph. And then, and then I turned 16. And why didn't Joseph just divorce Mary? Weak. That man, listen, if somebody came to me who I loved and said, uh, I'm pregnant, but it's not your baby, it's the Holy Spirit's, oh, come on. <laughs> come on. I would never, oh. It would be over. It would be over. Joseph is a weak, weak man. Unquestioningly, obedient, dutifully, faithful. Flip it around if you want to. And so I said, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to rebel against Joseph. I'm going to rebel against this whole idea. I want to be a little bit more like Jesus because there's this one time when Jesus, he, um, he was at Passover with his family and then his family left. They were traveling back from Passover, but Jesus stayed in the temple and was teaching. He was gone for three days, right? And uh, this time, it's not like home alone, okay? You got to understand it was a lot different, all right? Uh, there's probably a big caravan, 60, 70 people. And in this big caravan, um, you know, Jesus might have been wandering around with other people. But no, he was back at the temple. So they had to travel back the three days to go find him. And in the scriptures, it shows us that it wasn't Joseph who said anything. It was Mary. Mary said, you're causing us great anxiety. And Jesus says, stop it. I'm in my father's house. Joseph just sits there. I had a name for people like Joseph. I called them in the box. So that Joseph is in the box. That Christian is in the box. They need to rebel like Jesus rebelled. And, and, and so that's what I did. And my rebellion was a bit immature. Um, like I said, I always had to go to church. So what I would do is I would drink Zimas in the woods till 1 a.m. with my friends. And then I'd go to church the next day. And while everybody was talking about alligators, I was reading Origin of the Species and just being like, forget all of you, just rebelling. I didn't want to be weak-willed like Joseph. I didn't want to be unquestioningly faithful and dutifully obedient. My parents, they decided that I had to go to a Christian college in the South. I grew up in New York, and they said New York was an ungodly place. So I went there, and I tried. I mean, I tried for like... A few weeks. <laughs> I tried. I even led a worship band for a few weeks, and we were good. <laughs> but then the rebellion caught up to me, and I said, these people are in the box. These people are like Joseph. That's who they are. Everybody in my dorm was listening to Christian music, and I was listening to Wu-Tang into the 36 Chambers, yeah. Nazilmatic, <laughs> Radiohead the Benz. Anybody feel me? Yeah. 
Thank God I never listened to Christian music. <laughs> and my roommate, my first roommate, he moved out. He moved out because he said I wasn't Christian enough. And ooh, I wore that like a badge. I'm not Christian enough. He's in the He's like Joseph. That's what it felt like. You know why? Because I was afraid. You know what my favorite uh, uh, scripture was back then? Judge not lest ye be judged. That is the favorite scripture of every immature person in the world. And it's the favorite scripture of every immature person in the world because what we really mean is, let me do whatever I want and stop bothering me about it. Right? That's what we mean. And I was afraid. I was afraid to mature. I was afraid that there actually might be a Jesus that made sense. I was afraid that, um, that, that there might actually be a Christianity that was possibly good news. I was afraid of that. Right? I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do it because I wanted to do it, and nobody could tell me otherwise. So there's this one time I was in a graveyard smoking weed, and I got caught by the people at my college, and I got kicked out. It's a small town of Tennessee. Give them all a break. And um, I got kicked out, and I burned bridges on the way out. I said, judge not lest ye be judged, everyone. And I said, um, you're all in the box. You're all like Joseph. You're all unquestioningly faithful and dutifully obedient, you weak-willed people. And then by the grace of God, I made it to grad school somehow. And I met this girl in grad school, this woman in grad school. And she said, I won't date you unless you go to church. And I hadn't been to church in years. Actually, the first thing she said was, I don't date white guys. And then she said... (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said first. <laughs> and then she said, I don't want to date you unless you go to church. And now, um, so I went to her church, and it, it was awful. It was really bad. It was big, but bad. And now we go to church together, and she played guitar up here a second ago, so that's kind of cool. But what happened was in this grad program is there was this holy curiosity going on. And in this holy curiosity, we had this professor. Her name was Dr. Hurley, and I cannot for the life of me remember what our class was called. Do you remember what our class was called? No, I can't remember. And all of a sudden, Dr. Hurley opened up my eyes. She made us read books, The Cross and the Lynching Tree by James Cone. Why are the black kids sitting together at the cafeteria? She introduced me to Tony, uh, Tony Morrison. I don't know Tony Morrison. Ooh. I had to read this book called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paula Ferrer, and it was amazing, and it changed my life. And then Dr. Hurley, she said, you know what, the gospel message is a lot like these books. And I said, what? She said, it's good news. And I said, no, it's like this? It's like good news for marginalized and oppressed people that I'm reading about? Are you kidding me? That's real? She said, yeah, it's even realer than that. She said, it's subversive, and it's rule-breaking, and it's rebellion, but rebellion with maturity. And then she said, it's like Joseph. Joseph's unquestioning, you know, whatever he's, you know, dutifully, whatever those words I said before. Right? Unquestionably faithful, dutifully obedient. And then you start to read about Joseph. I want to read to you about Joseph. So let's read about Joseph. And this is the problem when you don't use your notes. You got to go all the way through. Because Joseph... Her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, and I stop right there, because you all know what the Greek translation of after he had considered this is? It's thymos. Come on, you all knew that. (laughs) 
Um, English translations are the worst. They are the worst. After he had considered this. You know what thymos means? It means wrath. That's what thymos means. It means Joseph was feeling great wrath. He was angry. He was the guy that was like, nah. He was that guy. He was the guy that was like, this is a mess. I can't believe this actually happened. You're lying to me. He was that guy. You know, the only other time Thymos is used in the Bible is when Jesus preaches on loving your enemies. And it says that his hometown synagogue wanted to kill him. They had Thymos for him. This is the, this is the other time. And uh, I went, yeah, Joseph. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you were upset by this. But you know what Joseph needed to do if Joseph was unquestioningly obedient and dutifully faithful? You know what Joseph would have to do? He would follow God. He would follow his scriptures. He would follow the law. That's what he would do. And we all know what the scriptures say, right? Because we all read Deuteronomy 22. Y'all don't read Deuteronomy 22? If a man happens to meet in a town and a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, he shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. The young woman, because she was in town and did not scream for help, which is messed up. And the man, because he violated another man's wife, you must purge the evil from among you. So what Joseph does, if he's uh, obedient and faithful, what, what he does is he goes and he finds Mary and the man who knocked Mary up and he stones them to death. Because that's what the scripture tells you to do. That's what God tells you to do. That's what the law tells you to do. That puts you in the good graces of God. That's what it does. All of a sudden, Joseph doesn't look so obedient and faithful. All of a sudden, we've got to redefine what obedience and faithfulness looks like. There's this other passage. Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, I'm not saying this is true or this happened. I'm saying it's a possibility. But there are Middle Eastern scholars. If you ever want to read a really good book, uh, read a book called The Middle Eastern Jew. It's fantastic. It gives you a lot of culture and context. Okay? Uh, it's about Jesus. I read a church. Jesus. Um, <clears throat> But they say, you know, why? Why did Mary go with Joseph? Because in those days, women didn't count in the same way towards the census, which is messed up, right? They didn't count the same way they were less than. So a lot of times, women just stayed back. Men went and counted for the census. Why does Mary go with Joseph? Well, Mary goes with Joseph because it's very, very possible that his family, his friends, his community, his synagogue, the people in his culture, the people he loved, would stone Mary had he left without her. And so he takes her with him. Because Joseph is not unquestioningly faithful. And Joseph is not dutifully obedient. And this is so important, I want to read to you. Joseph is angry and filled with wrath and in the midst of uncertainty doesn't choose the rebellion that I chose. Does not react against the well-meaning religious folks. Instead, he chooses faith even when that faith goes against everything he believes. He breaks the law to practice faith. He goes against the culture to boldly live out his faith. He is not against anything. He is for the flourishing of humanity and realizes that faith, the law, and that God is calling us to be an ever-changing, ever-evolving people in the name of that human flourishing. Joseph does not play a small, innocuous role in the story of Jesus. Joseph is our hero, recognizing that the call of the gospel continually pushes us forward towards human flourishing and peace in the name of Jesus Christ. That's who Joseph is. That's good news. Is that good news? <laughs> it is good news. And so we're in Advent. And by the way, Joseph is our hero just during Advent while we're waiting for Jesus. 
Not necessarily after Jesus is born. (laughs) But we are waiting for Jesus. And we're waiting for Jesus to come. And while we're waiting for Jesus to come, there's this line, right? There's this line that sort of shifts Joseph's thinking. And the line that shifts Joseph's thinking is, do not be afraid. That's the line. And so I think for us, as we wait for Jesus to come, as we wait for Advent, as we wait uh, uh, for the light that is Christ, like, do not be afraid. In what ways do we need to move forward? In what ways do we need to break some rules? In what ways do we need to be subversive? In what ways do we need to preach a gospel of flourishing? What way do we need to preach about God getting what God wants in this world and us being a part of it? Let's start preaching it. Let's start doing it. Do not be afraid. So I was doing Forefront 1.0, which is something we do every other week. And people ask questions. And people said to me, they said, is your church political? And that scared me. I said, I don't know if the church is political. Uh, I said, we, 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 we talk about the politics of Jesus. And then I thought to myself, there are just people, and they are being gassed at a border. And I don't care anymore whether or not our church toes the line about being political or not political. If you think people getting gassed at the border is political, God help us. This is, this is humanity. This is God's creation made perfectly in God's image being hurt. And maybe we all can't go down to the border. Or maybe we can. But we can do something here locally, right? And what can we do? We can affirm the oppressed and the marginalized here. There's ways to do it. We could start with American, Arab American Family Support Center of New York City. Do not be afraid. Let's just do that. Let's, let's start there, right? And let's be subversive and let's not, no, oh, I don't mean political, not political. No, these are people. That's where I'm going to start. I think I need to acknowledge the fact that some of you are on the other side of where I was. I think we need to acknowledge the fact that maybe when I was 4 to 14 years old, or however old I was, 4 to whatever, that there were some of y'all that, by the way, you might have identified or oriented or the way you might have lived or whatever, that I would have had shivers down my spine worrying about your eternity. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that that still happens today. Because I think what Joseph shows us is there is a God who is using us, you, made in the perfect image of God, to bring human flourishing and bring the peace that God intends to the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. You are not in danger of of that eternity that I I think of when I lay down when I'm a kid. You are part of God's kingdom and you're bringing it. And do not be afraid. Some of y'all are out there saying, hey, judge not lest ye be judged. Here's what I'm going to ask you. And I'm going to ask you this in the nicest way. Let's grow up. Let's grow up spiritually. Let's take time to get involved in scripture. Let's take time to look at context and culture. Let's take time to be contemplative in the way we pray. And if you need help with that, great. Make an appointment with one of the pastors. Join a small group. Talk to somebody here. We want to see you grow spiritually. We want to see the rebellion stop. And we want to see the new, mature, kind of subversive, Joseph-style rebellion come in. That's what we want to see. We want to help you with that. Do not be afraid. Relationships are brutal. Maybe you have a significant other, and they're super annoying. (laughs) Not my wife. (laughs) Nope. But y'all do, probably. (laughs) Not just spouses, significant others, not just that. Friendships, family members. We just went through Thanksgiving. We're going to go through Christmas. 
people at work and we're stressed and we're like, I don't think I'm ever going to get through to this person. It's almost like we're playing two different sports. They're playing golf and I'm playing tennis, right? Like, how is this going to work? Do not be afraid. You know what Joseph does? Joseph shows incredible, radical grace. And guess what we get to do if we want to? Show incredible, radical grace. Now, maybe we have to show that with lots of boundaries. And maybe we got to forgive first. Maybe we got to ask forgiveness. But do not be afraid. Estrangement's not an option in God's kingdom. Do not be afraid. God wants to reconcile all of us back to God. How do we do that for ourselves and for our relationships? Here's what I want. Here's what I want for all of us. I'm sure there's something that I've missed, something that, that you're feeling, uh, uh, something that you, you can't overcome or just something that feels broken. And, and just the spirit is upon us to not be afraid. Joseph, Joseph doesn't play the, this little part over on the side. Joseph is not somebody who sits quietly and trips over the bale of hay. Joseph is the hero of our Advent time, changing the way we see the gospel message bringing human flourishing and love through his actions, led by the Holy Spirit and courageous enough to listen to that Holy Spirit. And that is my prayer for us today, that as we walk out these doors and whatever your situation looks like, do not be afraid. As we wait for baby Jesus to come, who's not quite here yet, let the interruptions become your opportunities. Do not be afraid. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your son. But until Advent is over, we're grateful for Joseph and his courage. And we pray that you would give us the same courage through your Holy Spirit. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, we bring the peace to this kingdom that you desire for us. We pray that when we get it wrong and messed up, we're thankful for the death and resurrection of Jesus that gives us mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And Lord, as we walk out of here, help us keep in our mind to not be afraid. Amen.